This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two fantastic humanoids, Brian Murray. Hello. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. Thank you both for joining me this week. Thank you for both being humanoids. I'm super excited (laughs) to do this show this week. Yeah, I know. I don't know. You could be monster type creatures. And then there's a whole thing we got to figure out with leveling. This is (laughs) 3.5. This is D&D. Anyways, weird references aside, I'm both, I'm glad that both of you are here this week. I'm excited to talk about comic books. There's a whole slew of X-Men books coming out and I'm going crazy, but let's start with something that's less insane. Let's start with how have you been? How have comic books been? Kate. I've been good. Uh, it is like 74 degrees here today in Michigan, which is oh, really bizarre so nice. weather for us, but it's oh, it beautiful. So good. And while, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, this is scary and ominous things to come and it's ruining the crops and so on and so forth. And also it's just really gorgeous out. So, you know, at least it's um, not, not another <laughs> uh, 70 degree day in February like we had earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. Whole other side thing. But yeah, the the crop reports are, I live in rural Michigan and the crop reports are going, oh God, why? Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, you're just like, oh, thank you for this nice weather today. Exactly. I can wear a nice shirt. It's so nice out. Um, so anyway, that's nice because it's been like snowy and gross. We had some sleet this past week. and ugh. Yeah, like so anyway. on, on like Wednesday. Yeah, and exactly. Now it's it's just been weird. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have been reading a lot because of weird, gross weather. Um, and I got to tackle some stuff that had been sitting on my pile. Uh, most notably this week, I read X-Men Gold number one, which oh, I... Oh, yes. Yes, I really liked it. <laughs> I picked this one up as opposed to... Like, I I can't go all in on all the x books as Mike's going to do here because he's crazy. I just, like, I envision in my mind... Uh, Mike, like, on the floor, surrounded in, like, a sea of X-Men books, doing, like, the snow angels, you know? That's that's what I picture yeah, Mike. Shot, like. shot um, from above, the camera kind exactly. of spinning in Just, a like, this delirious <laughs> grin on his face. The trick is, if you're going to get X-Men gold, you've got to make sure you know somebody who's getting the other one, so you can trade the version-exclusive X-Men back and forth. Yes. <laughs> weird, weird Pokemon references aside, Kate, how was X Men Gold? That went so far over my head. I got, okay. I was right there with Don't you. Don't worry, our, our audience is gonna love that one. <laughs> oh, okay. So anyway, yeah, uh, I pick, I chose this one um, of all of them because I like the preview art. But I, uh, Kitty Pride is my favorite X Men character, and this is where she gets her own team for the first time, which was super exciting. Mm-hmm. So this book, if you don't already know, which I feel like most people probably have heard all the yammering about these books at this point, but um, it's Kitty Pride, Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Old Man Logan, and Rachel Summers, who is now going by Prestige, which, you know, because who doesn't need a new code name? Because, right. But there's lots of jokes made about that, about, of course, Kitty told you that you need a new code name. Of course she did, because she loves new code names, so... I, I was more okay with it because of that. Yeah. Um, also because I barely know this character anyway, so who cares? Um, then I read Black Cloud number one, which is, okay, it's a new image book by, is it Ivan Brandon yeah. and yeah. Jason Latour and art by Greg, Greg Hinkle and uh, colors by Matt Wilson. I really liked it. I thought it was really cool, but I'm going to trade weight it. It's, 
it's pretty dense and also with image i'm already uh prone to being like ah, i'm gonna trade with this because their pricing tends to be better but more importantly at this point because they are starting to have the prices of a lot of their volume ones is that image you're like pretty much guaranteed to get a trade so you never have that i'm gonna trade with this but it may or may not ever come to trade so rolling the dice so anyway that one's cool check it out if you want or wait uh old guard number two which is the greg rucka book came out um with art by oh leandro fernandez sorry if i butchered that this book continues to be weird and cool. It's the one about, I think we've talked about it on the show before, with the immortal soldiers that run around being from, you know, various cr- crazy warriors from throughout time, and they're like a little mercenary band now. But in issue one, they essentially get caught on tape being immortal, and so that's causing problems. Uh, in issue two, they find a new immortal warrior who's a soldier from current American entanglements in the middle east purposely vague here so that i don't spoil stuff yeah yeah but that that's pretty cool uh there's a great scene where our main character is trying to convince her that yes she really is immortal mortal by every time she's like no i'm not she just shoots her in the chest <laughs> and then she comes back i'm like wait that was bad. she's it's like pretty wonderful oh wait we don't have time for this i'm just gonna shoot you until you agree that you're you can't die <laughs> that'll, um, that'll get the job done exactly <laughs> yeah. she's also like the first few times you come back are the worst so we'll just get those out of the way for you um <laughs> it's good so, to have friends exactly exactly and then she's like who are you and so she shoots herself to prove she's the same thing you're like oh okay yeah. um batman number 20 which i was excited about just because it gets this arc over with but was actually really good which was weird because i didn't like this arc uh, Tom King's writing is definitely what's keeping me on this book at this point. I have complained about David Finch's art before. I will complain in the future, as I know he's coming back soon. But this was his last <laughs> issue on this arc. He, he's really, he's just fine, as long as he's not dream, drawing females. Females, it, it <laughs> makes me like, so mad. So stupid. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I don't understand if they have ribs or not. This this is hard. Like, do they have joints? <laughs> like, um, But anyway... So this was such a solid conclusion, and it ties in so far back, and it's it was so good. So Tom, Tom King can write comic books; he's just really solid. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm really like I've never been this ready for a crossover event. Like I can't actually think of the last time I was actually even a little excited for a crossover event. Mostly, I'm just complaining that my book is ha- coming up into a crossover event. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one's coming up is the button with the Flash crossover. So, goodbye, Bane and Finch, and hello, Fabuk. Is that how we pronounce his name? Yeah. Okay, and mystery-solving Batman, which is my favorite kind of Batman, as opposed to huge muscles and punching stuff Batman, which I find significantly less interesting. Nolan Batman? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious how this will tie into the Watchmen stuff, so this this should be fun. And if nothing else, it should be quick, because with double shipping, is I think it's done in like a month, isn't it? So. Yeah, I think it's just two issues of... of- batman and two issues of flash yeah so other than that i read x-men god loves man kills aka why i will always take mike's reading suggestions from now on uh until i come on a show in the future and eat and like never again (laughs) (laughs) but this is the one from 1982 by chris claremont and art by brent anderson and it's incredible and if you haven't read it go read it it's super cheap digitally because it's old when did thought bubbles stop being a thing? 
You know that we, you know, we did a whole episode about this. I think almost we talked about captions and thought bubbles, and it seems like a lot of writers rely on captions now to replace thought bubbles. I feel like they actually serve the same function. Yeah, they do, they do. But except for if you read Jeff Lemire's uh, Black, uh, excuse me, Black Hammer. Mm-hmm. That book uses thought bubbles oh, yeah. pretty pretty smartly. That's true. But I meant like mainstream superhero books. Like that's whenever I go back and read older stuff like this, I'm like, oh yeah, this were like a common all over the place thing not so yeah. very long ago. So yeah, if you haven't read that, Mike can tell you all about why you should. X Men God Loves Man Kills is by far the best X Men story you can ever read, and it will make you fall in love with the X Men forever. It really does. Just say that. <laughs> Otherwise, Brian, what did you read this week, and how are you doing as well? Oh, you know, I'm I'm hanging in there. Life life is happening to me. Yeah. So that's exciting. I've been uh trying to cram in some comics where I can. Mm-hmm. This week I managed to do the classic Brian Murray spread of like a weird image book and then a Star Wars book and then maybe some Marvel superhero if I can get it. <laughs> Very nice. Uh so I got Paper Girls caught up on that. Read uh 11 and 12. Which, I don't know, Paper Girls is still fun, but they need to introduce something new pretty soon or I'm going to start getting sick of it. They, yeah, I can understand that. They tossed the main characters back in time, and that has potential. But if it doesn't pan out, this might be like my last arc of Paper Girls. Not that it really follows a traditional arc style, but... Right. In contrast, I had Darth Maul, which is the uh, the Star Wars mini <laughs> series right now. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I read one and one and two of that, and one of my favorite characters from the Clone Wars TV show, Cad Bane, showed up in the uh, the second issue. Mm-hmm. Who's just like this big like joke of a bounty hunter? Like he's super serious and badass himself. But he has like the big coat and the giant hat and the boots. Like he looks like someone tried really hard to make a space cowboy. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but he's actually like super cool in the show, so I'm, I'm excited to watch him in action in a comic book medium. I also uh, picked up issues two and three of the Hulk series that's going on right now. Uh, I don't actually have number four yet, so I'm not fully caught up, but. I picked this one up on a whim. Once upon a time, I saw Hulk on the shelf and saw that it was Jennifer Walters instead of Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. And so I picked that up just to check it out. And it's kind of turning into one of my favorite superhero books. Mostly because it's... Right now, we're watching her deal with things where her superpowers can't help. Um, so she's kind of dealing with the aftermath of almost getting killed in Civil War Two, And then... Hawkeye killing the Hulk in Civil War 2. Right. So she basically woke up out of a coma, found out that her cousin was dead, and this comic is kind of watching her try to reintegrate back into a normal life as Jennifer Walters' attorney, not as She-Hulk, the superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's a really interesting take on showing a character deal with depression deal with ptsd i mean it's wait so is she depowered or just not choosing not to use her powers she has her powers but they seem to have changed um because when she transforms she doesn't she doesn't actually transform into the full green she hulk yet Mm 
mm-hmm. but we do see her kind of start to lose it and she gets these like glowing green vein type things start appearing on her skin hmm. um, interesting yeah. yeah and so it's like a like a physical manifestation of her inner turmoil and i imagine at some point she's gonna lose it and we're gonna really oh, well, the see do yeah i mean it's <laughs> yeah it's a hulk book i mean Mm-hmm. She's she's got to explode out of her business suit at some point. <laughs> that's, that's why Brian's just hanging in there. I mean, nah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was I was reaching so hard for some kind of funny response, and oh man, <laughs> sometimes awkward uh, silence is the best joke. That was perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> Mike, Mike, what have you been reading? How are you? Oh, I'm I'm going insane trying to find a new apartment in New York. But otherwise, I did manage to read some comics this week. I read The Old Guard number two, which Kate kind of already talked about. This book still has me hooked. Like, every issue, I feel like, I don't know if I'm going to really dig this as much as I thought the last issue, I should say. The first issue was a surprise, and the second issue, I was worried that it wasn't going to keep up the momentum. And again, I was pleasantly surprised the twist in turns that this book is taking are really really cool Mm -hmm. and i'm totally ready for issue three i'm at least on board for the first arc i'm very hesitant but at this point i don't know if greg rucka can do wrong i'm waiting i'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop on this book for some reason but otherwise it's very very good i mean leandro's leandro fernandez's art is a little rough around the edges but if you take that as a stylistic application to the book um, it actually works out really, really well. I like the way that he does messy but distinct expressions on some of the characters' faces. I've really enjoyed that so far. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely um, on board for the first arc, too, now. Yeah. Um, I also read Black Cloud number one with Kate. Uh, well, not with Kate, but as, uh, the same as Kate. In, uh, in this spirit is a, with Kate. In spirit, yes. I, I have a lot of questions about this book. The first issue did not end in your standard hook of, <gasps> this mysterious crazy thing happened. Um, a series of mysterious things happened throughout the book um, to the point where I'm wondering if this is going to read better as a trade, so I'm probably going to trade weight it. Um, as much as I don't like doing that sometimes with, with new number ones, um, I have a feeling this book will at least go to a first trade and image will wait to see how that sells. And I'll be one of those people to pick up that trade because I, I really like what they did and the ideas that they were playing with in this book. But I just don't know if I have the patience to sit around month after month for it. So, yeah. you know, trade weight. Um, I read, I finally sat down and read Jughead the Hunger, which is by <laughs> Frank Thierry and Michael Walsh. I love Michael Walsh's art. It doesn't feel like what he did with X-Men, the worst X-Man, um, which is interesting because I feel like his lines and his colors were really, really heavy in um, Jughead the Hunger. And it reminded me like the color scheme they pulled right out of Afterlife with Archie. Uh, which is not bad by any means. It just didn't feel as strong as what Michael Walsh did in X-Men, the worst X-Men ever. Um, This was an okay one-shot. I didn't hate it by any means, but I am glad, I'm hoping, I'm pretty sure it's going to just be a one-shot because I don't think that this story had enough momentum to continue. So as as a one-shot standalone horror story, it was kind of nice, kind of like a B-movie horror um, where you, it's one and done, nothing really fantastic about it, but you still have a good time after reading it. So if you want like a funny little spoof on the Jughead, like quote unquote mythos of why he's so hungry and how he can eat so much food, <laughs> it's it's a very fun little romp. 
Uh, I'm going to take the Jughead mythos with me to my grave. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, real quick, I did read Rick and Morty number 24, and having seen the newest Rick and Morty TV series, or, TV, or sorry, Rick and Morty 23, um, and having watched the most recent episode that came out, I think, last week, uh, it was a nice little fun story. I don't know if they timed them to be related, because 23 came out a month ago, but it was kind of perfect. Um, X-Men Gold, we kind of already talked about, so I won't go too much further into that. But I did read XO number one, and it's all Nick's fault, because he told me, he, he gave me the classic ultimatum that we have on this show, which is, buy this book, if you don't like it, I'll buy you something else for the same price. And so it's a, four, a $3.99 book, so I dove into it, not really knowing anything about XO Man of War, not really knowing about this armor outside of the little tidbits I've gotten from Nick in the first two issues of XO Man of War that I read way, way back when Valiant did their relaunch. And I kind of like the sci-fi pulpy feel that this book had. Like, it's just like human on an alien planet. Don't know how he got there. All we know is that he doesn't have a hand and that he's in love with this woman who's a native of this planet. There is some sort of political rebellion going on. And in the end, Exo gets wrapped up in this war. Now, what the bigger story is and may tie back to the original Exo Man of War story um, there's this armor that this guy has, his name is Eric, and he has this armor that is super uber powerful, I guess, and now it's coming into the play at the end of the issue, there's some really cool stuff that happens, which I won't spoil, because I really like this, if you don't know anything about Exo Man of War, this is actually a really good jumping on point to just go completely blind into a deep sci-fi story about aliens fighting each other. I got a really strong Planet Hulk feel from this book. And so if you liked Planet Hulk and you wanted to see just like a character that has an established background show up on an alien world and and experience a completely original story that's barely tied to their mythos, uh, this book is that. Uh, It's a lot of fun, really action-packed. The art is phenomenal, like absolutely top-notch. Uh, I recommend this book for people that don't know anything about Valiant and just want straight action sci-fi. This book kicked a lot of butt. So that's that's what I got to say about that book. So Nick, now you've heard me say it. <laughs> that's all I can say. Um, There's going to be no living with him now. I know he's just he's going to bring it up every month. He's Drunk like, Mike, what'd you think of the next issue? <laughs> I mean, I'm really I'm really excited to actually read the second issue. I'll probably pull this at least for the first arc to see how things go to see if I can get really roped in. I know Matt Kint is writing, so it's kind of a kind of a cheater thing to say. Like I'm not a, not trying anyone new really in this series, but uh, at the same time, it's a very good, like solid action sci-fi book. So, anyways, we can move on. We can talk about what we're excited for this upcoming week because comic books come out on April 12, 2017, and that is fantastic. All I wrote was ha 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 for my notes, so I will let someone else start. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, let's let's start with what you're excited for this upcoming week. Sure. Uh, my my pick for this week is going to be Deadpool versus Punisher number one. And I know, I know, I can see it on your faces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what would make me pick up this obvious cash grab? And the answer is that because Punisher is such a such a serious bummer of a character most of the time and Deadpool is such a clown that I think there's going to be almost like a Laurel and Hardy vibe going on. <laughs> I think like the classic like 
clown and the straight man routine might come up mm-hmm. and i don't know i think that there could be an opportunity for some really good comedy in this book you know like the, the characters are are foils to each other so it'll be a lot of punisher trying to grimdark murder deadpool and deadpool giggling and getting shot in the face and then giggling at something else I don't know, or it could just be all all serious and dark and irritating. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, you, you can't you can't rule out that possibility. Not in not in this day and age. Yeah, of course. Yeah. This is also the Punisher, the same guy who shot Wolverine's dick off with a shotgun and then ran him over with a steamroller. So, <laughs> yes, we know he likes to true. abuse the healing factor. Mm-hmm. That could be. I mean, if it's anything like the Gambit. And Deadpool miniseries, it'll be just a whole bucket of sad comedy. So good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll need it. Yeah. What about you, Kate? Um, I am looking forward to God Shaper number one by Simon Spurrier and Jonas Goonface. And I want to pause right here and say the fact that Jonas Goonface became a comic book artist instead of a plastic surgeon is real sad for me. <laughs> like That is such a missed opportunity to be, be Dr. Goonface here to fix your face. Any, <laughs> just... any, any position that gives you a title would have been amazing. Exactly, I mean, like right? Dr. Goonface, Father Goonface. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. the, the great Reverend Goonface. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, this popped up in my radar because I'm currently reading the Spire miniseries that Simon Spurrier did uh, not that long ago for Image and mm-hmm. am liking it so far. We're reading it for the group read for the Goodreads group for this show. Uh, yeah. So I, I picked it up for that and I'm a few issues in. I'm like, this is cool. And then I noticed on you know previews stuff uh he has a new book out and i checked it out and it actually sounds really cool and the the preview pages are what got me like the art is awesome like in a weird way but that works really well for the book at least it seems like it from the four preview pages so don't make me eat my words um right but the basic premise of the book is that uh in a world where there's a god for every person um, and a person for every god, there's this guy who doesn't have a god and a god that doesn't have a human, and they go around being social pariahs. And like technology stopped working in the 50s, and instead people's gods... And from the preview pages, so again, very little info I'm going off of, but from the little glimpse that we have so far, they seem to function essentially like the demons in the His Dark Materials trilogy, where everyone has their personal little critter kind of thing, except in this case, mine might be one that can is can like function as a camera as its magic power, and yours can do something else, you know, can freeze stuff and make ice cream cones. Sure. Um, so that's how people have gotten around the technology not working. So this guy who doesn't have a god is what's called a god shaper. Uh, he is a social pariah with the ability to mold and shape the gods of others. So he like goes around selling upgrades and tweaks, like you want your camera god to be able to take x-ray photos. And so they're traveling town to town looking for gigs and shelter and trying not to get hurt, I guess. I don't know. It looks beautiful. Yeah, And sounds sure. interesting enough to pick up the first issue. And it's the... F- yeah, that's that's where I'm at. So, 
How about you, Mike? Dive in oh, here. Simon Spurrier is a beautiful masterwork of comic book writing. I love him so much. He's a really good at world building, which gives me more confidence in this book. Yes, all of his world building books have been top notch. And he also wrote my favorite X-Men series, X-Men Legacy. So I got a little I got a little spot in my heart for him. But for me this week, well, <laughs> the X-Men are back. The X-Men are back. I may have mentioned that earlier. And all these X-Men books are starting. And this week, we've got two of them. We've got X-Men Blue number one, featuring the original X-Men from the past that are now in the future, in the present, and Weapon X. And I picked two this week because I'm going insane because all these X-Books are starting and I don't know where all my money's going to go. And... I'm trying all of these new number ones. I'm trying the Iceman book, trying the Jean Grey solo book, even though she's leading the originals team in X-Men Blue, and apparently Magneto's in that book too, and they're arch frenemies. So Jean Grey is the starter for X-Men Blue? Yeah, she, yeah Jean Grey I'm gonna is the starter for I'm going to ride this Pokemon X- thing into the ground, by the way. Please do, <laughs> uh, because it can't be any more ridiculous than the books themselves. Um, <laughs> X-Men Blue is going to be about the original five figuring out their place in the world again question mark these are Um, these are the ones that that beast brought forward in time yeah yes so gene gray is now the leader um they're the original five are all back together after some time apart over the last couple of years uh i think this is going to be another x-men back to basics book kind of like x-men gold was where we're seeing classic x-men stories kind of or at least classic feeling stories so these kids are just out there hanging out and Magneto is kind of mentoring them, even though he is their arch villain. I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I, I'm going to give this book at least the number one. If I can't stand it, uh, we'll see. But it's Cullen Bunn, and it's he's very hit or miss with me, so we'll see. The other book, X Weapon X number one, written by Greg Pak, who's pretty awesome, with art by Greg Land, who's kind of okay, even though his <laughs> art is very strong. Uh, Greg Pak and Greg Land did do uh, X-Men Phoenix Endsong together, which was a pretty cool little alternate universe, what would happen if the Phoenix Force, yada, 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 you know. And so I'm really curious to see what this book's going to be about because it's got a weird team, Old Man Logan, Sabretooth, Lady Deathstrike, Domino, and a character whose name I can't remember. But I don't know why these this team would ever work together. So I'm really curious to see what Greg Pak is going to do with this book. This is another one I'm trying the number one, but I'll likely stick through to at least the first arc um, and likely just going to stick around with it forever, even though I said I didn't think I was going to. So I'm going insane with all of these X-Men books. I don't know what I'm going to do next week when more premiere. That's, that's, like that's if, pretty if much you, all I Have you ever say. seen somebody like, Throw a dog for a ball. Throw a ball for a dog. Yeah. <laughs> you see somebody throw a dog. Um, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Just watching, you know, like three tennis balls bounce down a hallway and a golden retriever frantically trying to decide which one to chase. <laughs> I, think, I feel like at this point, Mike just has direct deposit set up from his, like, checking directly to Marvel's bank account. Like, <laughs> yeah. just taking it right out of his paycheck. I mean... Pretty much, it's it's very very close. No, Marvel would um, let you do that because watching you hand them your money is what it's really exactly. all about. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's gonna be really weird. I don't know what I'm gonna do with all these X Men books. I, I'm gonna start dropping other things. Is what's gonna end up happening probably. But 
oh, I don't even know. I'm just like looking at the covers of these books and I'm like, I hate this. Please give me more. So (laughs) (laughs) pretty much any diehard X-Men fans reaction to all of this, I think, is that. So we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. I'm uh, I'm hesitant, but I am, uh, you know, a true believer. So I will read everything until there is no more. Are you going to read the new Inhumans books too? <laughs> Fuck you! Don't even. <laughs> how dare! How dare you say that name? No, I, I, uh, you know, I am actually going to pick up the Black Bolt book because I do have a special <laughs> place in my heart for Black Bolt. I have no idea what he's been doing for the last X number of years. All I know is that he had the coolest moment at the end of Inhumanity, and he had one of the coolest moments in this miniseries that I still love to this day, which was a crossover between the Fantastic Four and the Inhumans, where. The Inhumans show up to the Fantastic Four and they're like, what are you doing here? We don't want to start a war. We don't want to do anything. We don't want to fight. What are you doing here, Black Bolt? And he looks at them and this page does like a full double page spread and it's just Black Bolt standing. And in this humongous word bubble, there's just these tiny little letters written and he says, war. And the fucking world explodes. It was the coolest thing. Uh, (laughs) I, to this day, like really love the idea of Black Bolt. Uh, and so despite all of the weirdness that's been happening over the past few years with the Inhumans, I still want to read a comic book about him. So I'm on board at least for that one. I think that comes out in May or something like that. But for now, I'm just diving into X-Men and getting back into my paranoia of how can this any of this be possible? There's so many characters that overlap. Um, yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at. So... <laughs> As my notes said, <laughs> yep. we're just working on the evil laugh. Yeah, I've, it's not there yet. I'm or the sobbing close. laugh, you know, that's the other really important one in these circumstances. Like, oh God, why? <laughs> Our show this week is all about wishful thinking, and by wishful thinking, I mean what we would, the three of us, Kate, Brian, and myself, want to see in comic books, whether that's in storylines, or that's in the industry, or that's just in comic books in some way, shape, or form. Like, what would make comic books better, and what do we want to see in the future? No limits, for the most part, you know, outside of crazy, wacky, now they're not comic books, they're just a digital thing you insert into your brain. We're not going (laughs) to do anything like that. We're actually going to talk about things that we think are realistic that we just want to see in comic books. So to start, kind of bridging off of what I was talking about right before the last bit, um, you know, there's a lot of ongoing X-Men books and there's a lot of just ongoing everything. Every single series wants to go from miniseries to ongoing or books just start ongoing even though they probably could be miniseries. And my big thing is I think I just want to see more miniseries in general. I think what Marvel and DC did for a while and I think a lot of the independent publishers out there do really, really well already is, you know, there was a few little one-off things like the Raven miniseries that they did over at DC or the Vision maxi series, I guess, which is a 12-issue series um, that they did for a little, that they did for, you know, over a year or so. I I really want to see more stuff like that where you're just getting a book and it's self-contained, you know, it's start to finish, even if it features your favorite characters. It doesn't have to be 100% in continuity. And even if it does, like, it doesn't have to affect anything else. It's just kind of a story that you can go out there and read because you've grown so dependent on, you know, continuity that it doesn't allow for us to just 
as readers or even as you know creators to just dive in and say let's just tell a fun little six or twelve issue story about a character and we got that with Vision, and I think that was great, and the ramifications of that series meant that now Vision has a daughter, and she's out there on the Champions team, and yada, 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 but if you just read the Vision, I mean, that's all you have to do. Kate and I did a whole mini-sode just about the Vision, and that's all you needed to know about those characters and everything about that book, and I wish that the big two did more of this, and really, I wish that more independent companies did this um, yeah, and Marvel pushed this. Marvel didn't even plan that. That was just that he changed publishers like he jumped ship and so it ended but he had it like plotted out for the first it was supposed to be an ongoing right and and that's i don't know i think things like this it worked out really well as a yeah magazine. it worked out really well and like 12 issues is not hard to get 12 issues is nice for a hardcover 12 issues mm-hmm. is nice to just get a self-contained story you don't have to dedicate and say well now i need to adjust my entire schedule of books that i can afford now it's instead it's like all right i know that i've got a year's worth of this comic and once that year's up i can jump into something else mm-hmm. now this this kind of lens runs into a weird thing where like okay it's just mini series after mini series after mini series but we don't have to do that that is what i'm getting at i think what the roach limit did over at image was really cool where they did three six issue miniseries and they were all for the most part if I haven't read all of the third arc but or the third miniseries but I think they were all very standalone but if you read all three of them you got a much bigger story and I think that that's a really interesting way to approach comic books and I think that makes it a lot easier for non hardcore readers such as ourselves to approach books that are maybe like more experimental or maybe not completely in our wheelhouse to say, well, you're only, we're only asking you for six issues. So try it out. I think that's something that comic books is missing and we don't do enough of, which is why I like original graphic novels so much, but that's a whole other thing. So Brian and Kate, what are your thoughts on anything else? Because I could just keep going. Oh, I mean, I, I love in minis and maxis that they have a definite end and an end that they build to like that is my favorite part of like an eight issue nine issue is i think my sweet spot where like you get a really good well-developed story it's not like a four issue bam 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 then you're done where things kind of feel rushed a lot of the times or it's just a really tiny story like um green valley right now is great and i'm hoping it has a really satisfied conclusion but usually these things do because they're plotted precisely so that they are not counting crazy events and stuff which like you're saying when you're tying into too much continuity it can just get messy and then you don't ha- it's really hard to go back and read stuff that's really heavy in continuity too because you're like this makes no sense because i don't know all of the other books that are going on at this time back in the mid 90s or whatever you know what i mean yeah. so um, yeah, and if if you're not ready to end the story when the story is going to be over, then you wind up with a bunch of crappy ongoings where yeah, like, the writer doesn't really know where to go anymore. But this is an ongoing series, so they have to keep churning out <laughs> you know faith. Invincible <laughs> Iron Man. <every laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah, I yeah, really yeah. like the Faith Mini, and I was on board for the first two arcs of the what then became because they made it an ongoing because why wouldn't you when it was wildly successful and the first two arcs were great but it just became such a like we don't have clearly weren't planning on this being a long-running ongoing we didn't plot accordingly we are doing the same beats over and over and over again and not that i'm not still gonna probably pick it up in trade once it comes out because i don't just letting go of characters you like is hard even when you know it's not going to be a story that blows you away but still that's that's one of those prime examples of it's like man this was a lot better when you had a a set end in sight um speaking of the vision i would 
still tweet to Marvel sometimes that we desperately need a deluxe hardcover omnibus of Tom King's The Vision Run. It's only 12 issues. It's the perfect size. I need yeah, it on my yeah. shelf. I'm begging. I'm begging That's at this point. I have no pride. Comics. Like, I'll just... On my knees, yeah. Well, for Marvel and DC, I would like the same kind of consistent and reliable trade pricing and schedules as Image. As someone who trade weights a lot of books, that makes life so much easier. And um, the cheaper volume one trades so that it's easier to sample different yeah. series and see what you like. It's so nice. And, that, and man, Marvel's like, man, we can't reduce the price of our stuff because then our already expensive stuff won't sell. I'm like, well, the whole problem is your stuff doesn't sell in the first place. So why? Like, it doesn't. It's the most circular logic. And yeah. I'm like, yeah. just drop your trade price. At least for the volume ones. I can see why you couldn't do it across the board. Um, but they're like, well, we have some that are 15. I'm like, yeah, but it's four issues. That's not cheaper. That's, That's not cheap. Yeah. That's actually more expensive than the single issues. Yeah, in a lot exactly. Of it yeah. just makes... Yeah, so... Even if it's just like like a like a 5 or 10% decrease in cost per issue mm-hmm. is something. Like, yeah. you know, your issues are 4 That'd bucks. Nice. Make it like... Three third, like three eighty per issue in the in the trade. Like, just give yeah. us something. Prove to us that you want us to buy these things. Right, right, right. And make it easier to try older stuff. Like, if you want me to buy trades, I probably will. But that first step, the buying, man, buying a Marvel thing when you don't know if it's a series you'll like or not, and they're like, give us eighteen or twenty dollars. I'm like, oh, that's a lot for something I don't know if I'm gonna like or not. Like once you're on volume two, three, four, and you're like already into it, that's a mm-hmm. different, uh, that's a whole different beast. But for the volume ones, it's like, come on. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Like I don't know if I would have picked up Wicked and Divine if the first trade hadn't been ten bucks. Exactly. Right, I, and now there, you're, there's now a you're reason hooked. the bulk of my bookshelf um, for trades is made up of image books. Well, that and they have a consistent release. Like, you don't have to guess if it's going to come out and if it's going to come out, what format it's going to come out in. I do like that. And I heard some, uh, I think it's Marvel switching to this. It might be DC's switching to this. I don't remember who. Nope, definitely DC because it came with Rebirth, where they're switching to the pa- trade paperback first instead of the hardcover first and then doing the fancier deluxe hardcovers after if a paperback sells well yeah um and it's i image like style that's how image yeah, has been doing it for a while too that's nice i yeah no that's i really like that image did that and i had been that would have been on my dreams board uh if they had for them <laughs> if they hadn't already started doing it because i'm like yes this is perfect because again who's gonna go that's just it um, exacerbates your price problem where like the the entry point at that point is like insane because it's a hardcover or something you don't know you want or not so yeah and it's it's an been like if i miss an image number one i'll usually go oh well maybe i'll pick up the trade but if yep. i miss a marvel number one i go well guess i'm not reading that <laughs> it's over yeah. now unless there's a comicsology sale right even then right. i usually don't pay close enough attention <laughs> yeah me either <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, there's a lot more to be said, I think, about, like, the standard, quote-unquote standard that we have for, like, 60-issue runs of of books that are, they're not considered ongoing, but they're still, like, a five-year investment, you know, if assuming the book comes out, you know, once a month at a consistent schedule, which at this point, most image books don't because a lot of them take breaks to make sure that 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 type of issue doesn't happen. Um, So even, so then you're looking at, like, a six- or seven-year commitment to a 60-issue book, and that's just a lot of things to 
work on. I mean, that's just like, okay, there's a slot for the rest of my life or for, yeah. for a large chunk of my life. It's wild to think about that. And I, I understand there's like a money problem with this, but I really just miss the idea. I really love picking up miniseries, um, which is why I've been trying so many Valiant books because a lot of them are like, well, this is a six issue mini. Oh, and that's Valiant's it. Don't worry about all it. in on the minis. Yeah. I don't a lot know. of them I, I, are four issue minis, aren't they? Like they're, yeah, they they're not just mini, but they're minis. like really mini. So right, and one shots, I think. But um, yeah, that's nice. Plus, they yeah, exactly. Like going where like oh, I don't know if I want to add this or not, and then you find out that you could have the complete thing if you picked up you know three more issues. You're like oh, done. And yeah, um, yeah. I think Boom's doing more of these lately too. But that and it's self-ending so you don't have that god-awful agony of sitting staring at your pull list trying to decide what to cut for new books that are coming out they right. solve that problem by ending for you so that you can add new stuff Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i mean outside of the like meta side of things i think there's also some some stuff we could fix about you know the content of books oh for sure which has been like a big problem in comic books forever and it's only come to like real serious light in the last couple of years um, and I know I don't, I don't want to steal notes from either of you, so I'll let you take it away. I think, Brian, you've got some stuff in there that I'll, I could let you run with. Yeah, and a lot of the issues that I have would actually be solved by fixing them on the meta level. Like, I know that we've talked in the past about how we want more diversity in creators. We want more diverse creative teams. We want books about diverse characters. And I think that the best way to get these books about diverse characters is to have people who aren't straight white men writing comic books. Right. You know, because if you want to write a book about a character who is not a straight white man and you are a straight white man, then more power to you. But be very careful that you're not letting stereotypes or prejudices change the way you write those characters mm-hmm. well and are pay attention to is there someone else who is uh more in line with this book's uh main character's representation that could be doing this instead that i'm taking that opportunity away from by being kind of like no let me i'm an ally you know yeah yeah so, sure 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 it's it's that whole Kool-Aid man ally bursting through the brick wall. I'm an ally! <laughs> <laughs> like, you just ruined everything! I don't know what no. this is, but it sounds hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it is a meme that like st- that is a common forum response for people that decide, the specifically the straight white dudes that are like, let me step in here and completely take control of everything and feel like i'm helping when actually i just like crash the party but i know but um, it's like man i love your enthusiasm i love your spirit like where your heart's at is great but take a step back and look at look at what's happening here so that's definitely top of my list too is more more creator diversity and more diverse management because a, a lot of the chatter you hear from more diverse creators right now is that they have a lot of tensions with management which tends to be pretty straight white male and not uh-huh. knowing what's going on they're like um so at this point and ultimately man, baby steps just having what? more females at top level management in dc and marvel would be beautiful 
Right. Yeah. I mean, just, those are... just a female or fe- more female editors too, just to like someone looking at Finch's drafts and going, no, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> <Yeah>. but no. Because <laughs> those are the decision makers. Like those yeah, people exactly. decide if this book is going to get made or not. Right. And who's, who's okaying different plot lines and who's looking at something that may or may not be offensive and going, yeah, that's fine. Um, I remember seeing something online the other day that was, I think they were talking about Marvel, because it's always about Marvel, but they were talking about how, like, higher-ups at Marvel were claiming that, you know, diverse comic books don't sell, even as, like... That was a whole big thing. Their their comic books, like, Miss Marvel is, like, flying off the shelves Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, like... Yeah, so that was their sales VP that was talking directly to comic book shops at an, a business-to-business meeting, and uh, that was his excuse to shop owners that were going, your your stuff isn't selling, which is screwing us because we order it and this and that. And he's like, it's not our fault. It's People won't buy diverse create, um, titles, which basically the, it's like, it's not our fault. It's that our, our readers are racist. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> That's, yeah. you went there. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's complete bullshit, but that, yeah, exactly, like, that kind of thing, and then you don't also hear, when when you have a more balanced workplace in general, you hear less of the harassment type stuff from within the business that makes it such an unfriendly business for more diverse creators to be in in some uh, corporate cultures, and then if we could if we could find a way to tamp down this shitty online harassment of creators, that'd be cool too. Because man, female creators get so much more crap, and oof. Yeah, to to like a shocking, appalling degree sometimes. Yeah, like really horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we could we could do a whole issue, a whole episode on that. I'm sure. I'm sure we. Have. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for yeah, sure. Oh my God. Just just harassment is is a whole ridiculous thing. Yeah. Um, that we could go into, but it, it's it's. This is our magical wish list episode, so oh, you know sure. this is definitely up there. Oh, while uh, we're doing magic, get ready because I'm oh going to blow your minds. Oh boy! On a much, much more upbeat, cheerful note. Okay, Kate Kane, Kate Bishop, Kitty Pride, who's gone by Kate Pride before in various strips. <laughs> Kate Cubed, best series ever. It's going to be awesome. Make it happen. It's never going to happen. It's a dream because it's DC Marvel, obviously, but it would be incredible. Amalgam. Amalgam Comics needs to come back, and they need to do big DC Marvel crossover books again, uh, like they did a while ago, and it was insane and batshit crazy. And <laughs> definitely, yes, sure, let's do that. Let's get it. We three Kates like the, the, going. The, the, I love the it. Pete oh. and Pete of comic books. It, it <laughs> yeah. is. Oh my god. Okay, here's how I see it: Kate Kane, super serious detective. Kate Bishop super not serious detective who's trying real hard but making lots of mistakes who's annoying the crap out of kate kane meanwhile yes. as they're bumbling around they come back and kitty pride's just like guys i solved it by doing some googling you know like i i just went on a computer and fixed stuff it's a buddy cop it's essentially dick great <laughs> <laughs> you know it's essentially like a batman and robin story with oracle but it's just kate kate and kate i mm-hmm, love this idea mm-hmm. this is fantastic <laughs> I, I I wouldn't read that, but I would love to hear other people tell me about that story. I think because crossover books like that never work out well for anyone, including the characters. As much as that idea is fun, I never. I feel like the amalgam books were a load well. of insanity. But I do love the idea. 
I, I would probably maybe read a couple pages of that fan fiction, I guess, is what They're, I'm saying. Kate Kane and Kate Bishop are just spend like a whole like 20 pages trying to break in, figure out how to get into a thing, like beat the cameras, memorize the security system and the guard patterns. And Kitty just walks in through the yeah, wall. Yeah, because she already cause yeah. she hacked the awesome. place and she I, shut it down. I have superpowers, computer scientist. you guys. Like. Well, and she <laughs> yeah. could just walk through the wall. <laughs> She's just yes, like, exactly. what's the problem here? <laughs> okay. I love it. I love uh, it. What, How about you, Brian? What I really want to see, and what we're actually getting a little bit of with uh, with Hulk, is more neurodivergent characters. Which, if if you're not up on the current terminology, neurodivergent is basically uh, neurotypical is the term for somebody who you know they don't have ADD, they don't have depression, they have nothing that we'd call like a mental illness or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And neurodivergent is somebody who might have depression or ADD. Or autism, autism or any other spectrum like of that. different learning disabilities or anything like that. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Like someone someone who isn't quote unquote normal to, to try and get away from that term normal. Right. Um, and I just, I want to see more of that because I think that it's something that when done well, like it's being done in Hulk, can be really cool i mean there are uh there are some scenes where jen is thinking about like kind of what her life is like and there was one that i just read in i can't remember if it was issue two or issue three but she mentions that like one moment she'll be freaking out internally and the next minute she's just thinking about how much she wants to have pizza and like coming to that as somebody with depression and reading it and thinking like, yeah, that's how my brain works sometimes. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's not constant gloom and doom. I'll be very upset one moment and then concerned with when the next episode of Steven universe is going to air the next, like (laughs) a different kind of upset. Well, Uh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This obviously falls into the same kind of category as, um, other types of diversity we want to see where we want it accurately depicted, not weirdly yeah. style. You know, like um, if I see any any other media where it's basically like, oh, OCD people are just super into cleaning, I will scream and punch something. Like, yeah, no, stop. It's, so. it's basically trying to humanize this this idea that I think a lot of people live with, and it's not it's not it's not supposed to be something that you like shudder at or point at is weird it's supposed to be well this is another regular person who's dealing with something different than you and yeah. this is how they're dealing with it through the comic book right well and, and a maybe lot of- deal with it isn't the correct way to 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 phrase it but like how they're living with it because it's that's not a deal it's just it's just part of yeah your life. i think that part of consuming media including comic books is kind of getting into the head of the characters you're reading right. about and i think that this does a great job of putting somebody into that headspace and making them think about the world from that perspective because like it's exhausting to try and explain to people like why i'm upset like i wish i could just put you in my head and have you understand Mm -hmm. and i think that you know comic books and other media but i think that comic books are a great way that that could be done that and it gives the opportunity to show um I mean, just like any other type of diversity, when you're showing different viewpoints, that opens up room for different types of stories from these different viewpoints. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, 
an autistic superhero would have could have a much like a much different story to tell and me and maybe that you know the a lot of stuff when you're talking about um, disability stuff is often showing at what different things are then strengths and what what they can bring to the table that other people can't or how that it has forced them to grow in certain ways as a person you know, that kind of stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. I would be real mad if someone was like, lupus is such an asset. I'd be like, no, it's really not. It's really just killing you slowly <laughs> right. and awfully. But at the same time, it's nice to see things that are like, I don't know. Does it, like, does, does that he, make sense? He, sort of? Here is like what I've learned by yeah. existing with this condition kind of thing. Exactly. Like an anxious character who's planned ahead for everything because they can't stop thinking about everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, right. It's It sounds really interesting. It sounds, or, sorry, not interesting, but it, this sounds to me like we're like trying to apply all of this to like superhero books or like mainstream books, oh, but I think any, you can find a lot yeah. of this in like really indie published books or, or books and they're usually gen, like slice of life kind right. of stories because it's really hard to relate that super heroic aspect to these like different parts of life as we know it and that's why they become slice of life comics um and it's it's just a matter of how do you highlight a book like that without saying like here's a really here's a really interesting thing that i want you to think about and it's maybe going to be a little depressing but might give you some perspective that's, um that's but instead you could you could also say but here's a spider-man book it's, I'm you know, sorry, it's so, but it's can you so imagine hard. if we had like a Robin that had ADHD? That could be super fun. <laughs> it's sure, just Batman sure, sure. constantly trying to wrangle the energy. I know you could argue that everyone in the Batman universe has ADHD. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's well, except for maybe Mr. Freeze. I don't know. I feel like he just everything's different about him, but. I don't know. There was a weird joke in there that it doesn't make any sense now. So, um, <laughs> Alfred. Yeah, Alfred it, it, definitely it, does not have ADHD. Yeah. He's on top of everything. And yeah. I am not. <laughs> so, and I think that that brings us to like kind of a, this topic is totally just whatever, but I, I, I think it's led to a really interesting discussion about, you know, where, what we want to see in comic books and versus like what we look to comic books for. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, weird area of we want representation but we also want to see things that are um you know bigger than our world in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways and of course that relation to the character makes it more realistic and and gets you more in to the comic itself because you can relate to that character um it allows you to like experience the thrill that that character is experienced by able to say oh they're also a real person this person could be me suspension of disbelief yada 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 well and it's just a more well-rounded like okay the movie logan that just came out can you imagine if he wasn't a self-hating depressed scared internally completely mentally messed up character it would have been way less interesting totally yeah like a lot of difference can just be be more interesting it can just be more compelling storytelling than the same old two-dimensional whitewash stuff you know right absolutely and i'm not trying to i'm not trying to say that your points aren't valid because i totally agree with you but i'm saying like i think there is a fine line to walk between relatability and like in like exciting stories that you know are about the like things that people deal with on a day-to-day level so it's you know you because you have to you have to fight the super bad guy but on the off issue you know where you're not having the fight you're also dealing with these problems so it's just a back and forth yeah um 
which is something that I I think is always hard to to follow, and that's why you know stories like Tony Stark's alcoholism are such big facets and points of that character because when he's not dealing with enemies or when he's fucking up mm-hmm. dealing with enemies it's because of his alcoholism and he has to deal with it or you know all of the different you know things that are, have been around i always go to the x-men because they're the you know million characters I, and they all have a zillion problems too. yeah um and you know how part does, of what makes x-men so much more interesting than right. other team books right and it's it's like how does nightcrawler as a you know devout catholic deal with someone who is claiming to be the literal devil you yeah. know how do you come to terms with things like that and that's what makes you know you when you draw that you write these stories you draw characters to their far extremes of their beliefs or you know whatever um you know issues they may have and things like that to to try to tell a compelling story that's where like again there is a fine line to walk to make sure that you're not pushing one one way or the other too much and and you're not falling upon those crutches and various stereotypes that may be um, easy to pull from just to try to say, well, this person has ADHD and they can't pay attention in class or pay attention right. in you know this thing that they're doing. Um, I think it's, it is more complex than that. And it's right. trying to show that that's the most important part in a, in a way that is accurate and also not damning about the thing itself, whatever that thing may be. Yeah. And it's okay to show the bad sides of stuff, even if it's all right. bad sides. Like, there's some stuff there's no good part of, but... Right. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you got me thinking about X-Men now. I mean, can you imagine how much less interesting Magneto as a character would be if his backstory didn't involve being a Holocaust survivor? Like, not that that's a good thing or there's anything even remotely good about it, but it makes him so much more sympathetic as a villain that, yeah, the reason he doesn't trust humanity is because he's seen exactly what humanity's capable of. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So there's, yeah, there's a lot to be to be done in terms of telling stories about people who aren't just straight white people who are, you know, have no problems in their life outside of, I have a superpower and now I have this responsibility. Right. You know? <laughs> and I think we're getting there. Like, yeah. Marvel has been making a concerted push to get more diverse creators, like actually recruiting authors that are, like the, um, Miss, the sorry, the America uh, writer, and I've yeah. forgotten her name now, but Gabby Rivera, I think, um, is a YA novelist, but they're like, hey, you're a queer Latina who knows how to write a really great book for teenagers. How about you come on board and we'll to- kind of mentor you on how to write a comic book? And she's like, are you kidding? This is awesome. And then so, she writes an awesome comic book. So y- There you go. So, the end. Yeah, I mean, that's... So I think we're moving in this direction. I don't want to like get in all doing like, oh, this will never happen. Like, I, th- I think it'd be great if progress was faster but i think this is probably the rate that things go and just progress can be faster with miniseries i'm telling you right all you got to do is write these little books and give people samplings and just let them know well and if you're trying to recruit an entirely new audience to comics you know what you should do with your trade pricing (gasps) lower it bringing it all back yep full circle guys okay okay speaking of x-men Here's yes. another Keep fantasy, going. Let's just talk fantasy crossover event. Fantasy no, crossover don't do event. It. No, this is happening, Mike. This is happening. <laughs> oh, okay, I want because now. I also do like me some media tie-in books. Sure. I want Laura Kinney X twenty three from Uh-oh. the Logan movie. So child, oh, no. child X twenty three. So X twenty three. Eleven from Stranger Things. Oh no. And I want them to be best friends and go on murdery adventures, and it's going to be awesome. I think they would hate each other. Which could be interesting. 
but why why would yeah. they hate each other? They have so much in common. They were both little lab creatures. Laura would have absolutely <laughs> no patience for Eleven's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what are you like, mumbling? And yeah. That's what made her so endearing to me as an audience member. Mm-hmm. But like X X twenty three, who has already like killed a motherfucker. It's true. Like, like when Eleven's so horrified by stuff. But that's the thing is, like, they have really similar backgrounds, but they are completely different people that came out of said backgrounds. And so it could be really good. I'd, I'd read the crap out of I that book. I it. I don't no. know, Kate. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to write a dissertation on this. Right? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna need okay. some serious. I will convincing. write you the most gonna, beautiful fan fiction. Gonna need your the pitch, most your fun. Pitch on my desk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, I'll hand it off to you, Mike, and you'll just set it on fire in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. Yep. Yep. Uh, I don't know. That's uh, we're back in the fan fiction realm, and I'm already I'm getting testy about it because. I, <laughs> Dude, don't mess with my X-Men. You can mess with anything else. Just don't mess with my We can split X-Men. off an entire another podcast. Okay. Just well, like, if we have to go continuity, what's one thing that's done that you'd want back, Mike? If you could have it back. Um, dreaming a dream. Dreaming a dream. I think I I really want the... I really want the the Brian Wood X Men series to come back and not be bickering among women. I would just prefer. <laughs> I would too. just love that book because I love all of those characters a lot. It could have been so much better. But I want Rogue to lead the team because Rogue is the best leader there is. Um, that's I mean, that's just me. And then there would be a baseball game, and it would be like all the women X Men versus all the men X Men, and it would be awesome because X Men playing baseball is back to basics, and that's all that I want out of the X Men is back to basics, and we're getting it. Mark Guggenheim, thank you so much. I love X Men. Gold. love you. <laughs> I want uh, I want late two thousands X Factor back. <gasps> Hold on, can I change my vote? <laughs> it's like, like get get Jamie Madrix back, get Darwin back. Uh, all Layla those, Miller, yes. Uh, just get him back and have him like deal with the current Marvel BS instead of like <laughs> dealing with Civil War One. Now they're dealing with the fallout of Civil War Two. Like, oh my goodness! Yes, it's all X Men. This pretty sure most of them are dead now, or Aww. most yeah, dead or mostly dead. Yeah, yeah. Bring them all back. Thanks, it's classic X Men. <laughs> That's true. It's back to basics. Bring them back from <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. This episode was produced by me, Mike Rappin, with editing by Xander Riggs. Special thanks this week to Kate Scotchless and Brian Murray. The music in this episode is brought to you by our favorite band in the entire universe, Infinity Shred. You can find Infinity Shred at infinityshred.com, as well as on Bandcamp at infinityshred.bandcamp.com. If you enjoy this show, tell someone about it. Rate us online. Write to us. Each person you tell about the show and each rating you give us lends a little more exposure to the show and helps us grow. It's also a great way for us to get feedback about the program we create each week for you. And we just want some five-star ratings. Because you love us, we love you, let's just make this a mutual back and forth. We make the show, you rate it five stars, high fives, good job, everyone's awesome. You can email us at ircb at destroythesibe.org. And if you want to talk comics with us, find the I Read Comic Book Group on Goodreads. We have a monthly book club that we feature here on the show, and we have regular threads about what comics we've been reading. You can ask us questions and comment on each episode at our subreddit. I read comicbooks.reddit.com. 
Our entire podcast team is on Twitter, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast for updates and ridiculous retweets. But a great way to experience the podcast, including our back issue bin of episodes and our weekly pull list posting, is to visit us at our website, ircb.us. Now, until next time, from all of us here at the show, thank you for listening. What's what's your resurrection fantasy, Kate? Ugh. So, I think if I could have more of any book, it'd probably be a toss-up between The Vision and I Kill Giants. But both of those, I'm super hesitant to say I want more of because they're so perfect as they yeah. are. Like, Joe Kelly even purposely said, like, I will not do more of I Kill Giants because it would ruin what's there like yeah or degrade it in some way by having more but you know what i mean where you're like done with something so i am content to just endlessly reread it if marvel will just give me my deluxe hardcover omnibus of the vision <laughs> <laughs> this is what we need in comic books it's true <laughs>